July 16th. As we look into the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 31. We'll see that Paul, the attorney, summarizes his case. He makes a very bold statement, all are condemned. You see, both Jews and Gentiles, religious and irreligious, are guilty before God, and one is no better than the other. Paul quotes from Psalms and Isaiah to show that from head to foot, we are all lost sinners. Now, do you want to argue about this? Then your mouth has not been stopped. God cannot save you until you agree with Him and say, guilty, and then close your mouth. We cannot save ourselves. The law is a mirror that reveals our sin. Only the blood of Christ can wash away our sin. It's good to do good works, yes, but good works are not good enough to save us. We'll see that God's salvation is lawful. How can a holy God forgive guilty people? Is that lawful? If our judges did that, society would fall apart. But God, the lawgiver and judge, obeyed His own law, died for us, and paid the penalty for our sins. The judge is now the Savior. Have you closed your mouth, trusted Jesus Christ, and heard God say, Not guilty? And now let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 16th, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through 31. Well then, are we Jews better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is good, not even one. No one has real understanding. No one is seeking God. All have turned away from God. All have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their speech is filled with lies. The poison of a deadly snake drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They are quick to commit murder. Wherever they go, destruction and misery follow them. They do not know what true peace is. They have no fear of God to restrain them. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to bring the entire world into judgment before God. For no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what His law commands. For the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying it. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight, not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the Scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in this same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard, Yet now God, in His gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. 
We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed His blood, sacrificing His life for us. God was being entirely fair and just when He did not punish those who sinned in former times. And He is entirely fair and just in this present time when He declares sinners to be right in His sight because they believe in Jesus. Can we boast, then, that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on our good deeds. It is based on our faith. So we are made right with God through faith, and not by obeying the law. After all, God is not the God of the Jews only, is He? Isn't He also the God of the Gentiles? Of course He is. There is only one God, and there is only one way of being accepted by Him. He makes people right with Himself only by faith whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. If we don't understand what love actually is, and if our understanding of love it doesn't have some depth and some root and an anchor to it, when we begin to talk about God's love for us, we can't frame it up. Like it won't feel as spectacular as it is because we'll feel like we've got to measure up and we feel like we've got to do everything right in order for God to love us. That we are loved as long as we can perform accordingly. But that's not love as the Bible teaches it. I am well aware that out before me now are people who are struggling in one area of life or another. There are addictions in this place. There are fears in this place. There are people struggling with depression in this place. And there are those who are on and on and on and on. I could go here. And so God, in his leaning in, meeting us where we are, right in the middle of our junk, sends Christ to be the righteousness that we would need. Listen, your righteousness, you at your best, is never going to be adequate to cancel the record of debt. You're never going to be good enough to save yourself. Look at me. You're never going to be good enough to save yourself, ever. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm just going to stop there. For God so loved the world, as in there was a volume of love that God had for the world that he's expressing in this text. It wasn't a little bit of love. He so loved that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. Right? So um, now what you have here is the love of God initiating towards us. Now again, this whole thing is spectacular. For God so loved the world that he moved towards those on earth, that he moved towards us. My favorite thing about Good Friday is that God publicly efficiently and for all time outed me he just completely outed me and now that outing has set me free and and here's what i mean by that god publicly acknowledges that matt chandler is going to need a savior he's going to fall short he's going to be far from perfect he's going to need me i don't have to be more than i am and just go you know what? sometimes i still doubt sometimes i rest i've got to preach the gospel myself a lot it's still at times hard for me to believe that god loves me like i am i see i still keep thinking he's going to love some future version of me better than the one right now jesus set me free from all of that god said i'm just gonna let you know everyone's a bum bam right there good friday now be honest 
because I've outed you. Don't pretend because I've already decreed and declared and let people know everyone's broken. Look what I had to do. And that's why we call Good Friday, Good Friday, because on it, we are outed and our sins are absorbed in the cross of Christ. And so here we are, brothers and sisters, loved by God, God leaning into us, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Today we're reading Psalm 12, verses 1 through 8. We'll read David's words. In the previous psalm, David saw the foundations failing. In this one, the faithful were vanishing from the earth. The godly remnant was getting smaller and smaller, and David was feeling very much alone. No wonder he cried out, Help, Lord! We'll read about man's words. What made David conclude that godliness was on the decline? Well, the way people spoke. David heard flattering words, proud words, and oppressive words, and he knew that God was displeased. In our age of communication, are you able to discern what's true and right? When you speak, is it communication or manipulation? We'll read about God's words. See, God's word is pure, proved, and preserved, and you can depend on it. So much of what man says is cheap and temporary. But God's Word is like pure silver that's valuable and lasting. Let your words be controlled by His Word, and God will make your words valuable. Psalm chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and insincere hearts. May the Lord bring their flattery to an end and silence their proud tongues. They say, We will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land." Proverbs 19, verses 13 and 14. A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A nagging wife annoys like a constant dripping. Parents can provide their sons with an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife.